Welcome everyone into the One Giant Podcast, where I am Adam Arbrecht, and over there is Andy Makowitz, as we continue with uh, part number two, and what will ultimately be the conclusion of our QB value special. Andy, how did you feel coming out of that first one? Well, I, I think you, you know, the way that we both, I think, admittedly went through this is, let's just do an initial ranking and put these players in order of what we think. And then you kind of see, oh, well, maybe I'll move this guy up or down, maybe the different statistics. And then all of a sudden you see that maybe you've dropped a guy five slots lower than he probably should be. And you kind of sit there being like, man, I, I kind of missed on that one. If I, had a, if I had a mulligan, after finalizing the list, I would have maybe compared different players to each other that are more than just one slot away from each other. Um, you know, I think for, for me – uh, you know, w- when we get to it uh, in the top 10, there's a couple of, of ones that I'm kind of like, oh, no. And then secondly, which we'll get into is, is I, I think that I put a little bit well, a little bit of different emphasis at, at different times on experience and mm-hmm. the salary cap when, you know, we'll talk about Joe Burrow in a little bit, but the guy hasn't played a snap and I, I might have uh, feel a little bit over my skis on where I put him in, in terms of what a, his expectation should be as a rookie. Well, it is interesting because that's where we're going to start first is kind of the, we'll start with the back end of our list here and touch on a couple interesting comparisons or player placements where we agreed on uh, before diving into the top 10. Because for the most part, the back end, I think, it, well, it's going to be less enticing and less exciting from a content standpoint. But um, you're, you're right, though, too, when when we started looking at them and, and saying, well, I naturally have this handful of players in uh, 10 to 15 range, you know, or the 12 to 17 range, you start comparing those five players. And a couple of other guys that you maybe should have had in there, if you forget to put them in, all of a sudden you you, you get all the way down a road before realizing, oh man, you know, maybe maybe my quarterback 23 should have been in my you know top 17 consideration and I've already moved too far from it. So we, we might as well kind of let's dive in here back into this real quick before we go into some of the more juicy conversations. What were some of the guys that you can, you can take a look at my list if you want initially. Where did you find an interesting player placement that, that raised an eyebrow on my list and I can I can defend if I need to? Yeah, I think I think the one where we had just a slight difference was on Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had Ryan Tannehill ranked 27th out of the 34 um, quarterbacks that we looked at. Now, certainly understanding that he just signed a nice mega contract uh, he's got a salary cap hit of $22.5 million. So I understand that certainly it has a lot to do with the, with the salary, but that was one where you know I have uh, Ryan Tannehill maybe five spots ahead, and, and that's one of, the, one of the differences that we have in the top, in the bottom half of this. So just wanted to get your thoughts on Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I think ultimately it's a combination. So the payday doesn't help his case in terms of how we're looking at, at our list, right? $22.5 million, that's that's significant. And I think relative to for example when we go back into our our upper third when we said where are all these young players it's because you're getting such a nice cap friendly hit going into the season that means you have flexibility around them uh 22 and a half is a lot for a player that i don't think you're going to go into a playoff game and say can you go ahead and give me this game winning drive or make the big throws what you're going to say is can Henry take this ball and accomplish what we need to? So that's that's generally where I ended up shifting him a little bit lower. And I think, you know, because we can, there's the interesting ones that we agreed on that you have behind Ryan Tannehill, like you said, 22nd on your list. But we fell right in the same spot, actually, when it came to like a Derek Carr and a Jared Goff, both listed on our list at 25 and 26, respectively. 
but you have both those players behind Orion Tannenhill. So I'm curious that, you know, because so, for me, I'll take the chance on Derek Carr at 21 and a half million, cheaper than Ryan Tannenhill. And then Jared Goff, 29, 29 million. So not, not a, a small price tag, but I like them better than Ryan Tannenhill. What keeps them a little bit further down your list? Yeah, for, for me, that's a, that's a great point, Adam. And, and for me, uh, let's talk about Jared Goff. So the first thing, elephant in the room, Jared Goff is making $7 million a year more than Ryan Tannehill, right? So the $7 million is something that I take into account. All players equal, give me the $7 million in cost savings. Mm-hmm. But for me, not all players are equal. When you look at what Ryan Tannehill did, he was ninth in, to- in total QBR as opposed to Jared Goff, who was 23rd. Now, you may say, well, that is because of Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had an amazing rushing season. He made sure that Ryan Tannehill looked like a competent quarterback. And what I'll say is, agreed, but, you know, Jared Goff's good years came when Todd Gurley was arguably the best quarterback, uh, best running back in the league. So it's kind of difficult. They both have done really well when they've had great running games, which is not a surprise. But I think they've also fallen short in mm-hmm. bo- on both ends when we've seen that. So for me, give me the extra $7 million, uh, on a on a guy that con- I kind of see as comparable. Well, you know what's funny, too, because I, I will admit, as we you swirl around this and those numbers start to come up, the, the point that you make around Goff is probably is well stated to say 2019, 22 up, 16 down in terms of touchdowns and interceptions. Your prior 32 to 12, that, that's a much nicer number. But I, I think maybe just as an overall theme around the quarterback position, being able to maintain a level of consistency as the cast around you changes a little bit, that's something that I think is important to look at too. So seeing the way golf very much things shifted this past season as you didn't have some of those complementary weapons is indicative to me of at the very least why we both have him further down our list, right? Because I don't think that unto himself at 29 million, you can rely on Jared Goff to lead your team. It's going to be predicated on what do the players around him do. Um, and you can make the case that that, uh, that Tannen Hill, while he has obviously Henry, not necessarily having the strongest wide receiver core. So there's, you know, there's some, uh, some mix and match there in terms of, of how you want to lay that out. The other player in this grouping is Derek Carr. And really the reason why I look at him, and, and this is why I have him ahead of Goff, and Maybe I should have him even a little bit higher or the distance between these two players should be greater. Last year, you know, 21 up, eight down. It doesn't scream necessarily of blowing the top off of it in today's offensive-driven NFL, but 70% completion percentage. And what maybe you saw under Gruden in some ways for, for Carr is we want you to be better than game manager, but but you're seeing that completion percentage, right? And, and, and the difference between touchdown to interceptions – we, we know you have a big enough arm to do some things for us downfield, but can you set that strong baseline first and then grow from there? So coming into this season at that $21.5 million, Carr feels like a nice, a nice body to jump off with. You know what? It, it's weird because if you look at a lot of Derek Carr's stats in terms of uh, passer rating and, and sometimes total QBR, he matches up very well against guys that we have in our top 13, 14. When you look at guys like Matt Ryan and you look at guys like Matt Stafford and like all of a sudden, if you just put the, if you were to do like the ESPN, like shadows of each player with their, with their stats next to it, you'd basically say that they're like the same players yet you and I both for some reason have him so much lower than those other players. Like what do you think it is about the stigma around Derek Carr that he has great stats yet we all think that he's just a a back half type of quarterback. 
Yeah, and you like you mentioned Stafford, and we're going to get to some of the other players. I probably because Carr's never. It's really the team, right? The team has not had any real level of success with him at quarterback. So that that's probably in my mind what I attach to him of saying that the Raiders haven't been good. You know, your entire career, the Raiders have never really been that good. And that can be probably, we're probably being more damning towards him than we should be because you're just saying, well, it's a bad organization, but this upcoming season, right? Last year and then this upcoming season kind of becomes the interesting point for him. Right. Cause, and you're going to see this with Ryan and with Stafford as well. Like, what do you do now? Well, well, to me, it's it's not necessarily that we're bashing him or we've got a negative opinion. It seems like the organization themselves doesn't think all that highly of Derek Carr. There's been trade speculation about him, and they've had to come out, I don't know, 15 times in the last 18 months and say, Derek Carr is our quarterback. But then they go out in the offseason and they spend the most money on a backup quarterback in Marcus Mariota. So like, how many times can they go out in public and say he is our quarterback? And then also on the back end, like get the biggest safety insurance policy in the NFL by getting someone like Mark Marks Mariota. So to me, it's almost the organization is like want, wanting to show a little bit of support for Derek Carr, but then not following it up with different actions. And, you know, some people could say that, Hey, listen, having a good backup quarterback, they're just improving all aspects of the team. But to me, if you, if you have to come out every other week and say Derek Carr's our quarterbacks, there's some, someone's getting that from somewhere, right? Yeah, and that's been the biggest difference, right? Like Stafford seems to continually get the support of the organization as being the leader of this team, and Derek Carr has never seemed to get that endorsement. And that, like you said, perception does dictate a lot, and that's probably what pushes it a little bit. Uh, let, let's take a look quickly here at a couple of young quarterbacks. You mentioned it at the top, so let, let's get the Burrow conversation out of the way here if we can. It's six and a half. I know what he did here at college, but I haven't seen him throw the ball yet. You have him up there at 19. Is this the – I don't think that's – that's not crazy, by the way. But as we start to think about the Derek Carrs and some of the names we just talked about, is this is this why you end up getting regret less about where you have him but who you have him ahead of? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the way that I was thinking also about it is not necessarily rank the – I think when I put him at 19, I wasn't thinking rank them in order of – Who's going to get me the most wins? I think in my mind, I was thinking, who gives me the greatest upside to potentially win the most games with this salary cap consideration? Hmm. And I know that might be a small little change of distinction, but it's like, okay, we kind of know what we're getting from someone like Kyle Allen, or we know what we're getting from Phillip Rivers at this point. Like we, we kind of know what the ceilings are for some of these players, so for me, I feel like Joe Burrow has a little bit of a higher ceiling even at being a rookie. So if you're going to say who has a better chance of winning three games, it could be Joe Burrow because there's such a big learning curve. But would it shock you if the number one pick came out and threw for 25 touchdowns and looked like a competent guy in the NFL? So I, I still regret where I have him. I probably wouldn't have him over Derek Carr, maybe not Ryan Tannehill. But yeah, I mean, J- Jared Goff perfect example like without the big time running game of Todd Gurley would you rather have Burrow at 6 million or Goff at 29 million like what could you do with the team around you even if he is a rookie um yeah. those are the types of conversations I think I should have had that I regret 
Yeah, but you, but you, there's a, there's something valuable there though too, right? Of saying like if if you feel like and I to I don't know why I look at Carr and say and I, I said this before in a conversations where I'm like I just don't know if I've seen fully what Carr is because again organizationally what have they not you know put around him as opposed to Goff where like you said I feel like I've seen the best of him and now it's about can he hit a level of of stability so in that regard the Burrow conversation becomes interesting because you don't know what his upside can be in his rookie year at six and a half million, as opposed to how high do you think golf can go this year? I can probably feel comfortable capping him at a certain stat line. So, you know, initially when we thought about this, I, I went, Oh, you know, Burrow boy, that's pretty high. Um, but he's, he's probably right in that mix. And it, it really comes down to how much weight are you putting on the past and how high again, do you think that ceiling can be quick names that we'll mention here? Because you mentioned Kyle Allen, and I think that's easily one, by the way, you want to talk about like a very small regret here, but I should have put, I should have put Burrow ahead of Kyle Allen. I, I think, you know, because Kyle Allen really, I said, wow, it's sub $700,000 for this guy. So it, there's a there's tremendous upside there. And we're going to get into the idea of him being brought into the, into the Redskins, Ron Rivera, that connection there. So there's expectation that if he could become the starter in Washington, boy, then you have to love that price tag. But I I would say very confidently that the room for ceiling for Joe Burrow is probably significantly higher than Allen. So, and that's a very small, you know, positional tweak there. But lumping in Haskins as well, what's that conversation that you're having with yourself there? Well, I think I think that's one of the other other things that I was thinking about. By by both of us putting Dwayne Haskins as low as we did in the list, you have him at 31, I have him at 32 out of the 34 quarterbacks that we ranked. We have him so low and he's he's making 3.2 million. So essentially what we're saying, you know, is we've seen enough over the first 10 games or 8 games of Dwayne Haskins' career that he is not a starting quarterback and that he doesn't have upside and he doesn't have any room to grow. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I kind of think we probably should have bumped him up a little bit higher. You know, we both have him behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's like, I think we already know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's a guy that can come in, get hot, win you three games, but then also throw like maddening interceptions, right? And like, he's not going to be the guy that brings you to 12 wins in the playoffs. We don't know what we're getting from Dwayne Haskins. And I feel like for his price tag and for the potential that he has being so young, that we probably missed it a little bit on, 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 you know, putting him underneath some of the other veterans. Yeah, same logic that we used in one spot. We maybe didn't quite apply here. And I don't want to say that it's a, you know, a, a giant podcast bias that we threw on it. But it seemed like it was very easy for us both to go, ah, not Dwayne Haskins. Am I right, guys? <laughs> and meanwhile, <laughs> by the way, it's like we're going to heavily weight the success of some young quarterbacks and then also, the Derek Carr would be the great example, right? Well, I'm, I'm being a little dismissive about the fact that he has a pretty big track record. Tyrod Taylor, I had him 24th, so that's ahead of that Derek Carr, Jared Goff, Tannenhill kind of grouping for me. That comes down to, to salary. What's your thinking? Because you also have Teddy Bridgewater listed at 24 for you ahead of the car and the golf and those type of players. I had Bridgewater even a little bit higher at 20 at that $14 million price tag. So just... You know, what's the thinking around for you, Tyrod Taylor, and that Bridgewater? Because I think I allowed a little bit of that price tag to come into play. And I, I guess I probably I have a little bit more confidence in terms of, of what Bridgewater can be, even on what's a very interesting team, I'll say at the least, in, in Carolina. Yeah, li- listen, I, that's a that's another another one where I think you could have a coin flip. The way that we perceive Tyrod Taylor is that he's kind of this game manager. He's not going to go out and win you 
like big time football games, but he's also not going to throw the interception. You know, his inter, inter, uh, touchdown interception ratio is outstanding. His his uh, interception per attempt is is one of the lowest ever in the league. So he's one of those guys that's going to always keep you in the game. And that might be great if you have the team that's ready to 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 like bend, don't break. We just need a guy to to manage the game for us, not necessarily go out and win a game. I think Teddy Bridgewater brings a little bit more upside in terms of his ability to get the ball downfield. You know, he looked great when he came in for the New Orleans Saints and and went I think five and zero or something like that. Um, you know, he he was great before the injury uh, with the with the Minnesota Vikings. So I just feel like there's a little bit more upside with Teddy Bridgewater. He is a little bit pricier at, at seven million dollars, but I'm going to pay a little bit more for that upside rather than the security of knowing that we'll guarantee ourselves to win six or seven games. I'll pose this question to you. Uh, Tan, would you rather have Tannenhill at $22 million and a half in Tennessee, or would you rather have Tyrod Taylor at $7.5 million? So for me, I'd rather have Ryan Tannehill, just yeah. knowing that he seems like he's hit his groove a little bit. Um, in you know, Obviously went to the a- AFC Championship game. Most of it had to do with the running game that they had and the offensive line and a lot of the other things. But he showed that he could have a high completion percentage. He came in. Marcus Mariota did not perform under the same conditions early on in the year for the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill did what was asked of him, made the conference title game. Could they expand the playbook for him more? Sure, but they didn't have to at that moment. I I just haven't seen them really expand the playbook for Tyrod Taylor at all. And for me, yeah, there's a big difference in money there. But in terms of how far I think they can take him, I think Ryan Tannehill, when they're down and needs to throw the ball, has a little bit more range than than Tyrod does. I I don't know. What were your thoughts? No, it's a similar thing. I, I wonder, you know, when you mentioned golf before, it was like, boy, would you, you know, would you like, to, would you take golf? Uh, would you take Tyra Taylor over golf? And the end, he'd be like, no, of course not. Right. Because golf just, it feels like he's younger. And even though the price tag is more, but Tannenhill, I guess, because he basically ran out his time in Miami and then get, got this chance to restart it. In some ways it feels relative. Like it just feels like you you came to a great landing spot where you had a strong defense and an incredible running game and you could have success there. Like I can look at a Ryan Fitzpatrick and think, you know, would he have made those couple more mistakes than than Tannenhill would have that would have cost you? Of course he would have. Tyrod Taylor, less of the gunslinger that I think that I think you know Fitzpatrick is. I wonder could he game manage you there? Because there's always these guys and Carr falls into that. And you think about it, just over the history of the NFL that are victims of the team they're on when they're on them. And, and that's what's interesting to me, as opposed to, to your point, the head scratcher around Mariota getting that big deal is like, boy, I, I feel like he I feel like he proved a lot. And then Tannenhill proved a lot for Mariota by having the success that he was unable to over his career, right? Well, and I think that goes into the reason why both you and I surprisingly have Philip Rivers as low as we do on this list, yeah. right? You know, you have him at 32. I have him at 31. Um, we basically flip-flopped Rivers and Haskins. Um, but I think Philip Rivers at 25 million, if you look at the embarrassment of riches he had last year on the Chargers, you know, you had Austin Eckler, you had Melvin Gordon come back, you had Mike Williams, you had, uh, you know, Keenan Allen. You, you have so many different weapons at mm-hmm. your disposal that he just looked like his arm kind of gave out. He didn't have the zip on the ball anymore. And, and so it is interesting to think about, like, do you want a game manager? What was their situation? I think Philip Rivers showed us a lot to say, I don't, you know, if, if I'm going to bet on something, I'm not going to bet on 25 million in Phil Rivers. If you put him down at, say, Teddy Bridgewater's 14 million, how far would I move him up the list? And, and it's hard pressed to think 
How low would that have to be? Because I think what Phillip Rivers is going to be is one of the examples of a quarterback that goes to a new place and you get the confirmation that things were starting to deteriorate, right? That the skill set was leaving. Um, and I may have to eat crow on that when the season starts. The Colts are, are a pretty strong unit, uh, but that's really my thinking on it as well. I don't know how low a price point could have been for him where I would have gained more confidence because I'm really just thinking about the play and what I saw, the eye test as we refer to, right? Where I went, oh boy, some of those some of those tosses. And he has a weird arm angle and stuff too, but some of those throws were, uh, were concerning last year where it just felt like you were seeing a little bit of the beginning of the end. Um, unless you have follow-ups there, lead, lead us into this top 10 conversation that we want to kind of dive into, right? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the, the top 10 or top 12 ish. If we want, if there's anybody specifically, we want to kind of dive in and out of, and, and, you know, I think what's pretty funny is that, uh, you and I had had the same top five players. We just had two flip flopped. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a shock to the listeners, but we both had Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas city chiefs as our number one quarterback. And I think I thought to myself during this, how much money would it take for me to move him out of the number one spot? That's a great. Yeah. Yeah. Would you dollars to dollars? If this was the same cost for a Russell Wilson, right? He's shown that he's an MVP level player. He shows that they can score in bunches. He does have a lot of talent around him, but it would take a pretty significant number to move him out. I mean, Lamar Jackson showed that he was an MVP last year and he's only making $2 million. That's why we both have him as our number two, uh, you know, quarterback on this list. Mm-hmm. But Patrick Mahomes at $5 million, I, I think you could double, triple, quadruple that and he still might be the number one guy on the list. Yeah, anywhere in that twenty to thirty million dollar range uh, annually for him, and I probably still hold him in the, in that in that same spot. The interesting one at three, where we both agreed to Sean Watson, that's a guy that I think you know. If you talk about, is there a price point where he starts to move a little bit? That that's a player that I think would shuffle for me a little if you started talking about twenty twenty to thirty million dollars for him. Not by a lot, you know. You're not gonna. You know, he's not falling out of the top ten by any stretch, but he would certainly have some movement. And then even Lamar Jackson too, right? I think like coming into this next year everything gets proven right that you that you hope for Lamar Jackson and he solidifies himself but were you to see a little bit of wavering uh, you know completion percentages that kind of stuff maybe you'd say at 20 or 25 million he would certainly shuffle a little bit in the top 10 as well yeah and and, and what what I think it you know I don't think there was any surprises between the two of us in those being our top three just knowing how much value you get out of Deshaun Watson at four million. Yeah. You know, these guys are all going to be up relatively soon for, for big time extensions, which brings us to the four, you know, fourth and fifth guys. We both have Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson in our last two spots in the top five. The only difference is I have Russell Wilson at four making $31 million. You have Aaron Rodgers at four making $21 million. Was it just simply for you that Aaron Rodgers is making $10 million less than Russell Wilson and you couldn't consider them relatively the same? Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to make it super simple, but yeah, you know, it's $10 million difference. I think if it's dollars to dollars equal, it's very hard to, to decide who you might want. Um, You know, I, I tend to think that Russell Wilson has shown a lot in the, as the, as the line deteriorated a little bit, still, still very effective at leading that team. Um, He's held them from falling off the edge a little bit in some lean years. And now it feels like they're going to resurge a little bit here. Likewise for green Bay though. Right. I mean, how many seasons did we talk about? And this isn't me waiting it heavily on that, but how many seasons did we talk about Aaron Rodgers? Where it was like, boy, 
it's like they don't know who their quarterback is and they're just making this active choice to not give him talent around him. You know, listen, everyone's pretty familiar with the stat lines, but when you look at Aaron Rodgers and you see uh, that he's only thrown an interception over 10 for a season twice in his entire career, when I flip over Wilson, uh, you know, it's pretty much that same boat, 31 to 5, 35 to 7 last two seasons. So there's a very strong case to be made there. And even that completion percentage, which you and I have talked about a lot, uh, makes a strong movement. It's it, 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 it's the $10 million that does it for me in terms of ranking. Can I can I give you an opposition to your point and see if it changes anything of the $10 million between the two players? Hit me with it, friend. All right. So what if I told you that Aaron Rodgers is five years older than Russell Wilson, that probably would come into play slightly. What if I told you that last year, Russell Wilson beat Aaron Rodgers in almost all major statistical categories, whether it's completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, touchdown percentage, yards per attempt. Uh, The only one that Aaron Rodgers had him on was interception percentage, but even rushing yards, rushing attempts, touchdowns, um, passer rating, quarterback rating, all of those different things all go to Russell Wilson. Then let's also go to the idea of what the Green Bay Packers think of Aaron Rodgers. They just drafted his heir apparent this year saying, we think that he only has a year or two left, maybe at performing at a relatively high level. So for me, I kind of look at it like they've already crossed paths where Russell Wilson is on the upswing. And I think that Russell Wilson is primed to have an amazing year, MVP type year. We always talk about him being in the running. And for me, I know that 10 million is a lot, but I think that Russell Wilson is that one guy where you could throw almost any team around him and he's competitive and he can win you eight to 10 games every single year. You know what? And to be fair, the, the age is the biggest thing to me because you're coming into this year at five years older, right? We know that Roger's a little bit older because one of the things that I definitely looked at in this was um, from a wide receiver core, some young talent brought in there in, in Metcalf for the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, and then familiarity with a lot of the receivers that have been there. Rogers, you know, you have a true number one, but behind that, especially this last season, you suffered from a lot of injuries, a lot of young guys getting thrust into starting roles that you never would have imagined. Now, you'll see how they'll develop over their careers, but I still thought that Rodgers had a very strong a strong season given the relative talent, and, it, and it's then you go over to Russell Wilson and you say, well, what was the running game? They mixed and matched a little bit throughout the year as well. So a lot of comparative things. Um, but the age, the age is probably the biggest case that you make there. And because of where Russell Wilson is, it basically says that coming into this year, you could be looking at peak Russell Wilson, right? Peak quarterback play. That's a very strong argument to say, yes, $10 million difference. But I, are you going to get peak Aaron Rodgers coming into this year? You might. But you can make a strong – the stronger case can be made that just by the history of the NFL and the position, Russell Wilson is almost guaranteed to have one of his best years where you're going to be a little wait and see. So strong argument, strong argument. Maybe maybe I made a mistake. Good news is it was only four to five. At least I didn't do – you know, <laughs> at least when I said I put Aaron Rodgers above him, I didn't say, and talk to me when we get to 15, and I'll let you know how I feel about Russell Wilson. Yeah, and, and it, it was one of those things where I debated back and forth, and I did a little bit of deeper diving, and I was like, man, $10 million is a lot, but $2 million per year that Aaron Rodgers is older than him seems like yeah. a pretty fair assessment. I think you know when we talk about you know that comparison, I think one of the ones where I missed in the top 10 is you have Matthew Stafford ranked sixth at $21 million. I have Matt Ryan ranked sixth at $18 million. When I look at the stats – 
it, it's tough. It, it's a tough one for me because I kind of feel like they're similar players, but Matt Ryan has had far more talent around him than, than Stafford has in his career. So for me, I kind of look at it and say, I know that Matt Ryan has thrown for a lot, but having potentially the best wide receiver in the league for like seven years will probably help you with that. You know, having a really great tight end for all that time will help with that. You know, having a good running game for 10 years will help with that. Whereas when you look at Stafford, I don't know, you know, since Calvin Johnson's been gone, it's, it's really been him having to carry the lion's share of the responsibility, so to speak. Excuse me, sir. Watch out, everybody. You think we're not professionals? Uh, yeah, that that's really. Listen, the twenty-one million, and, and relatively speaking, eighteen and twenty-one million, so not too far apart in those numbers. But man, I, I tell you what, like as we started to put this list together, I started to realize what a fan I am of Matthew Stafford. Ratios are very strong. Uh, you know, they're not mind blowing in terms of getting up over thirty. But to your point, the, you know, the cast around him has not been the strongest. The offensive line has not been the strongest. The running game has not been a strength for them. So, you know, I really think that when you look at Matthew Stafford and you talk about age, thirty-two years old. So, you know, just starting to hit. I think that that window opens a little bit wider when you talk just about where health and you know recovery is these days in the NFL. If he can be healthy this season. I think you're going to see one of the highest values for the investment that you're making into that quarterback. And Detroit has just not been a team that has on paper going into a season where you go, boy, watch out for Detroit. Uh, unlike, like you said, Atlanta, I think that there's been times where you could point and say, and we've referenced this on the list on this list prior, biggest game, biggest stage, need the play to get made. I would I would probably say, boy, give me give me that arm of Matthew Stafford and let me see what he can do for me over a Matt Ryan, who, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know I don't know. It, it, this goes, I mean, it's the gut check, right? I just I go, ah, I, you know, I'd rather have Matthew Stafford than, than Matt Ryan. I would rather take his career over Matt Ryan's career, no matter what team, name any team you want. I'm going to take Stafford over Ryan. Yeah, I, I mean, it's tough. You, you go for team performance. You go for individual stats. I mean. Stafford was having one of the best years of his career before he got hurt. 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. He was playing amazing football. For me, I guess I got stuck in the mindset of Matt Ryan throws for a ton of yards. He's been to a Super Bowl. They did. They were up 24 to three in the Super Bowl, and then all heck broke loose. But yeah, I think that you know, for me, that's one where maybe I would probably recalibrate things a little bit in terms of dropping Matthew Stafford as far down the list as I did, and having Matt Ryan in that sixth spot. Um, but you know, moving away from those talk about the other handful of players that we have at the back half of the top 10, we have some of our old grizzled veterans in terms of our breezes, our, our Brady's, our Roethlisberger's, you know, talk to me about how you thought about those players. Yeah. So I have Matt Ryan at 10th on my list. So right on that cusp there. And then, like you said, um, you know, not as grizzled, but a guy like Kirk Cousins who fell just outside of it. We touched on that a little bit. But there's Ben Roethlisberger for me at 11. You have him at 12. Uh, at 23.7, nearly $24 million. It's not a unfriendly cap hit, but you're talking about a guy, again, coming off an injury. I could certainly have some concerns around what his recovery methods are. We've seen some of those social media videos where it looks like he's going for uh, Santa Claus four or wherever they're at in that movie franchise. You know, so I, I, I wonder where he's going to be. He's had injuries. He's a big body, but he's taken, you know, he's taken a lot of hits and you can think about a guy like Cam Newton who suffered from that in terms of the wear and tear on his body. So he slides there back a little bit and then you get into this, you know, I've got Tom Brady at nine. You have him at eight. So, you know, I think we're, we're right there. Seven for Drew Brees for you, eight for me. 
And this is one where I think you did a better job with this. You talk about that Ryan, uh, Ryan or, or Stafford debate between us. I had Carson Wentz at seven, and when I when I really started to think about it, it's eighteen million, so it's a nice number. But and this does include track record, right? The guy's injured. It's just it's a fact of life. Now you can. I, I looked back at last season and thought. With a wide receiver core made up of tight ends, I was really impressed with what he was able to do. And yet, right, he's already moving into the middle part of his career, and we haven't seen him prove it yet. So, you know, that's relative to me maybe splitting hairs around the dollar amount and saying Drew Brees at 23, Tom Brady at 25, even Matt Ryan. I, I'll throw that in there. Even Matt Ryan at 18, 19 million. I probably would think about bringing Carson Wentz down that list a little bit closer to where you sat at 10. Well, it's tough because he has shown flashes of greatness. I mean, yeah. you know, before, you know, he's had half a season where he's the you know the leading MVP. His passer rating, you know, outside of his rookie year, has been you know, right around ninety-five to to one hundred every single year. He's got a three to one, sometimes four to one touchdown to interception ratio. Like he he looks to be the part, but again, if he's only playing in ten games, if he's only playing in eight games. I, I and and knowing that Nick Foles took over for him and took the team to the Super Bowl, it kind of makes me wonder, like, how much of it was was you know Carson Wentz? How much it was it the Philadelphia Eagles as a team? Yeah. And when you look at a guy like Drew Brees, you look at a guy like Tom Brady. You know, they're both Super Bowl winners. We know what they're capable of. And so for five million, seven million more, I, I you know, for me, I kind of thought to myself, I'd rather have those two guys knowing that they've already gone to the Super Bowl and won Super Bowl champions as the starter. Well, it's so interesting, right? Because then it goes back to the Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, right? For me, I was like, I, I, well, I guess maybe, maybe it follows suit a little, a little bit for you, but not for me, I guess. I, I, have to, I have to think about this for a second, but because I say, well, the 10, I save in $10 million, I'll take Aaron Rodgers over Russell Wilson. But then the age played a factor for me here. And I get, it really does add up. Actually, I was sound in my thinking here, whether, whether or not, you know, it's, it's agreed is that age and the dollar amount though. So the dollar amount played a factor for me here and the age of Drew Brees and Tom Brady makes me wonder. Now, what I will say is even at 25 million, you have to feel pretty strong about what could arguably be the best offensive situation that Tom Brady has ever been in, even at this age you still have to feel pretty confident. So maybe I should look at that and say, and, and relative health, right? Tom Brady's been a healthy guy. Should that $7 million really take Carson Wentz and move him above him for me? And that's a little bit where I got in my own head and wondered how much track record should be I should I be accounting for here and how dismissive of age should I be as well? Well, I mean, and the one guy in our top, in our top 10 that, uh, that I have that we didn't talk about is I have Kyler Murray at nine. Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray's making $8 million a year. I have him one spot ahead of Carson Wentz. And so I kind of thought to myself, when we talk about Carson Wentz versus Kyler Murray, knowing what Kyler did in his rookie year, I'm expecting him to, to move leaps and bounds ahead of where he was in his rookie year, which was a very good rookie year. You know, I, is with $10 million in my pocket, what am I getting between Carson, Carson Wentz and Kyler Murray? I kind of have that debate in my head. You have Carson Wentz six spots ahead. So are you thinking that that MVP, you know, half of the year and, and the consistency with, with limited resources is what kind of moves you ahead with Carson Wentz there? Yeah. You know, it, it, 
barring the injuries, I think you'd want to have Carson Wentz pretty high on this list. That's the curiosity is just can he be healthy enough to accomplish it? Again, you talk about the career numbers, right? 97 to 35 touchdown to interception ratio. It's it's all there on paper. And, you know, but you go back and say 2018, only 3,000 yards with a three to one ratio. Last year, 4,000 yards. Uh, when, you, when you talk about Kyler Murray, uh, this I can't. There's nothing to knock about what he did in his rookie season. I guess what I would say is, from the rookie year, now it's about proving it when everyone gets that tape on you, right? When when defenses start to make some adjustments. Now, the benefit for him and the strong case for you to have him in the top ten is that Lamar Jackson just showed that you can be a guy that uses his legs. And by the way, they they did a good job of blending those things for Murray and protecting him. But you can be that guy that everyone kind of said, "Boy, what's going to happen in year two for Lamar Jackson?" Eh. Kind of, kind of proved that it wasn't going to be a lot that the defense was going to be able to do against him. So, you know, that idea of the league adjusting to a quarterback from year to one to year two seems like it's a very shrinking window, uh, unlike in years past where you'd say sophomore, that's where they're going to give you some new looks and what's going to happen there. Combine that with Kyler Murray getting a top four, top three, top two wide receiver in the NFL, uh, depending on where you want to place them. It, it's a strong case for it. And yeah, that, that it's a good one. I, I think when I look at Kyler Murray, I maybe want to push him a little higher. But relative, we can say, relative to um, the other rookies and other second-year quarterbacks, it's, again, probably the reason why we agreed Haskins shouldn't be pushed as low because you want to see what happens next. Same thing with those other guys. You know, Daniel Jones and, and even uh, we talk about Crosstown there uh, for the Jets. All these guys, you want to just see the second year. Let's see how that ball starts rolling. And some of those lower ranked players are going to push a little bit higher. So maybe I just, I held Kyler into that, that group of young guys that I, I want to see what the next phase is for them. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, you know, the way that I thought about Joe Burrow um, is if he has a Kyler Murray like year this mm-hmm. year, which, you know, being the number one pick, that's kind of what the expectation should be is to be, you're the number one pick, you're a quarterback. You should be the consensus favorite for offensive rookie of the year. Right. Yeah. And so if he puts up similar stats where he can get you, I don't know, 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. You, you'd be pretty happy with that, and, and you'd take it, and you'd say, you know, he performed pretty well. I Overall, I think there's only a handful of regrets that I have, but if we wanted to go through it, Adam, is, is there one regret that you kind of have with your list that you would want to do over on, essentially? Yeah, you know, I started. That's where I wanted to take a look at it. We had touched about it the first time around about Prescott at that thirty-one million. Um, you know, maybe he's more deserving of being ahead of a couple of these guys potentially based on age and, and the cap hit. But Jay Garoppolo at twenty-six million. There, there's there's some part of me that looks at that and says, should he automatically have been put behind our our young class of, of quarterbacks? You know, I, I know we so heavily look at the 49ers and think that. Oh, it's the defense and, uh, you know, the running game was a big part of what they did there. But when I, when you start to think about what he accomplished last year, he's a guy that maybe by the end of this upcoming season, sub 30 cap hit is going to look really nice as he starts to enter the prime of his career, obviously a little bit older because he spent so much time with new England, but he could be a guy that if we did this list again next year, I'm talking about putting him near my top 10 and right now, I kind of leave him at this back, you know, back, back end, almost falling into the back third of the NFL, and that feels like a little bit of a disservice, maybe to him. Yeah, and and in that same regard, right around the same area that you have Jimmy Garoppolo, I have I had Kirk Cousins at eighteen on this list, and he's mm. making twenty one million. 
and you certainly have him higher up on, on your list. I, I think you have him at 12. You know, yeah. it, it's, I think it's just a perception of Kirk Cousins being, you know, that dink and dunk guy. But to, to think that, uh, you know, he's, he's performing better. Is he, is he, you know, is Dak Prescott $10 million better than him? Is Ben Roethlisberger $2 million better at this point? And is Kirk Cousins, you know, would you rather have Sam Darnold getting an additional $13 million over Kirk Cousins, knowing that he's performed, he's been in the playoffs, he has a 70% completion percentage? I just think I probably gave a little too much credit to the anecdotal things about Kirk Cousins and, and stressed less about his actual overall body of work. Yeah, and just because I, I want to make sure I gave these stats out as well around Jimmy G is that you got it's weird perception. We've brought that up a number of times here. Last season, 27 touchdowns to 13 interceptions, completing 69% of his passes and throwing for 4,000 yards. Like, I don't know, you know, name name another quarterback in the league that you wouldn't, you know, at the baseline outside of our top five guys, probably that you wouldn't sign up as that being the baseline of what you did. And if you want to even reach back to the year prior and remember that when he was traded for and came in, what did they do? They won right? They audit, they just started winning games and that's what they did last season. And you'll probably expect more of the same this year. So, um, you know, likewise for Kirk Cousins, right? The, the team has had success. So it's interesting that we find a way to maybe knock some of these guys. Yeah. It's funny. You know, Jimmy, Gar- I think you can make the case. Jimmy Garoppolo had never thrown more than seven touchdowns in any season before coming into this year. So maybe, you know, you're, you're kind of yeah. still in the wait and see approach for me. It's like, if you look at Kirk Cousins body of work, you could line up the last five years and you're pretty much getting the same thing from him every single year. And I don't know what it is. It just doesn't, it doesn't register that he's a top 15, 13, 12 quarterback in the league when maybe he deserves a little bit more respect. So I think maybe we have a little bit of challenges with some of those guys and we're liking a little bit of the upside on some of the younger guys a little bit more. Yeah. We'll get out of the door on this, on this last question here. And it's a little bit ties into what we're talking about, but on Kirk cousins, I think sometimes that he switched teams, right? That Washington didn't want to keep him, And that, that maybe that's what gets into everyone's brain of, well, if you're a franchise quarterback, why did, why did Washington choose not to stick with, you know, why didn't they do everything to bring you back? And then you think about that as Washington and it's not like they make a, all of the right choices <laughs> in their franchise model. So that, that, that's the interesting part about that. When we go into this season, I said it kind of around Jimmy Garoppolo, how far could he rise in the rankings? Who is a player that you have low on this list that you think could make the biggest leap, even if it ends up being maybe your guy in Joe Burrow and saying a strong rookie year and all of a sudden his second season, you're going to move him up. Is there a player that can really shift the needle on, on where you have him here coming out of the 2020 season? Ooh, well, I, I, who are the people that can make the biggest change? Uh, uh, I've got a, a couple of guys. One is Gardner Minshew. I think at $700,000, he is a steal. And there's a reason why the Jaguars don't want to invest in a, in a, a bridge quarterback. They, they believe that he can be a starting quarterback in this league. And if you're telling me he can give you top 15 production at $700,000 a year, it's the reason why, you know, we were talking about Kyle Allen being bumped up there, even though he doesn't have the greatest QBR track record. If Gardner Minshew goes out and wins eight games or has them in the playoff hunt, you got to sit there and say, what kind of value are we getting from a guy like Gardner Minshew? So yeah. I, 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 it's tough because uh, I, don't, I don't know yet if he's the guy, but he certainly has the biggest opportunity to move up the list. Yeah, um, you know, I think Jared Stenham would be the – 
uh, we could be talking about the New England Patriots having the next franchise quarterback in an incredibly team-friendly deal. Like, how familiar would that sound? So he's in the similar vein, a guy to keep an eye on. I think the other one, I would say, and we can talk about improving or or falling. We mentioned Haskins. I think that he's going to be a big guy to keep an eye on, obviously. And then a, a player like Baker Mayfield. And, and I'll say this actually in the potentially falling even further on this list if he's not careful because $9 million cap hit right now. I had him 22nd. You had him at 20. When you go inside those stats, man, a lot of weapons there. He fell. We mentioned this on, on the part one here. You you highlighted the importance of being a plus 60% completion percentage. He fell just below that line this last year. And you want to think about another guy that's going to try to sit behind a veteran and reclimate his career. Jameis Winston demonstrated how much you can hurt yourself, even when you throw for 30 touchdowns. If you're throwing 30-plus interceptions, that's a problem. And right now, Baker Mayfield, man, completing 59% of your passes, uh, 22 up, 21 down. He, to me, is a is a bubble quarterback that wherever his cap hit goes to next year, if he doesn't clean that up in a somewhat significant way, he's got to get back into being a 62 63% completion percentage. He's got to dr- cut those interceptions in half in order to start to be looking at getting real value. Otherwise I could end up walking into next year saying he's going to be in that Philip Rivers kind of vein, right? 26, 27th, because it's just too much to pay for a lack of results. Yeah. I think, I think you're right with Baker Mayfield being the one that has the most volatility in terms of he could go up or he could go down. And honestly, I don't know which one it's going to be yet. Like he's got enough weapons around him where this should be the indication of whether or not he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. But Adam, I'll kind of throw it back on that. It's like there are quarterbacks on this list that they're contributing and they're doing well no matter what talent is around them, right? Like you have guys that are performing at a high level and we're not using the excuse about having no talent around them. Like look at even like a Kirk Cousins. Like, yes, he has talent in Minnesota. How much talent did he have in Washington? I don't know. That's debatable and younger in in his career. So I feel like we're making a lot of excuses for Baker Mayfield. If he needs all this talent to be good, above average, or great, like how much is it him rather than yeah. his circumstance? I don't know. That's just something I'm, I'm struggling with. <laughs> well, here, here will be the beautiful one, right? It's like uh, a guy that maybe deserves to be higher because I don't think he's ever been on a team with a ton of talent, yet still seems to give you relative consistent results. With like a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Guys making eight mil, put him on whatever team you want. And you know what he's going to give you. Now, wins and losses and that kind of stuff. But when has he been put on a team and said, hey, we're surrounding you with a wealth of talent and we want you to uh, be the Baltimore Ravens and be, you know, go to the Super Bowl and beat the Giants uh, back in the 2000s? That, you know, just by being a quarterback that doesn't make huge mistakes. It's not like anyone looks uh, at that roster and says, oh, the quarterback's what won the championship there. So it's interesting there, right? Like, and I, I would say after this upcoming season, if you were Cleveland, right, it's like dollars to dollars. You'd be like, I don't know. Well, give me Ryan Fitzpatrick. At least I know what this guy is. Like Baker right. Mayfield is, is, a, is a total, you know, eyes in front of the train coming down the tracks wondering, like, are, are we getting whacked here or are we going to be in the clear? Like, like, think about it. If you're Cleveland and you have Baker Mayfield at $9 million on what you've seen and Kirk Cousins at $21 million right now, which, oh, one you would you rather, yeah, which, which one would you rather have? You'd rather have Kirk Cousins even at $12 million more because – you know you're going to get 70% completion per, or 65% completion percentage. You know you're going to get three to one touchdown and interception ratio from Kirk Cousins. You know he's going to throw for 4,500 yards. Like he is, he's the model of consistency across all different teams and, and different players that he's played with. 
Baker Mayfield, they've, the team has gotten better and better, but his stats have not proven that. So literally, this could be an interesting year where I, I don't know, like how much would you move him off the list if he has 30 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, but they have this stacked team around him? I, I just don't know. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll move the needle, but I don't know if he gets into top 10 consideration. All right, that's um that's the list, man. We we did it. I think that for the most part, we saw consistency in terms of of the, the price point on some of these young players makes a ton of sense to have value there. And the interesting thing that we see in this in this part two that we've done is that the results we get this year are going to mean a lot for how we look at these quarterbacks. It will be interesting to see maybe like a Lamar Jackson over his career. If Baltimore gets lean at some point, how does he then look? Um, Deshaun Watson is maybe proven a little bit more. Now he's going to have the opportunity to have his number one weapon taken away from him. And what does that look like? So, you know, he's a guy that maybe is going to shift a little bit coming out of this season as well. So I listen, this was a lot of fun. I, I just, I, I liked the idea of trying to wrap my head around how I feel about quarterbacks based on that price tag. And I, I'm going to be very, maybe humbled as we work into the season, right? Well, well, it's, it's just an interesting way to think about it because we always just say, well, this guy is better than this guy. And it's just not that simple of an equation, especially for NFL teams. We as fans yeah. love to just do the side-by-side comparison, put up some stats and say either this guy won more games or this guy threw for more touchdowns. But when you're building a roster, it's just taking that extra level of thought to say, we can have this guy at this number, or we could have this guy at a tenth of that number. Which one allows us to be a better football team overall? And as you can see, the Giants with Daniel Jones, we're in a decent quarterback situation. We have a young rookie quarterback that showed talent in his rookie year on his rookie contract for another three years before he has to be franchised or picking up the team option. And I think the Giants, if Daniel Jones makes the, the progression that a lot of these other young quarterbacks have done in year two. I think the Giants are in a really good spot and he can move up into that top 12 situation, given that he's only making five or $6 million. So as a giant fan doing this list made me uh, optimistic about the future. And if Daniel Jones really progresses, we've got a really good situation on our hands. Yeah, a hundred percent. When we talked about where we ranked them, the Drew Locks, Daniel Jones, our boy, uh, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, all of those guys that are in that, you know, just out of, out of that precipice in terms of the top ten, top twelve kind of conversations. These are all guys that coming into this year are going to be able to move themselves significantly, potentially. And I think when we come out of it, Daniel Jones, the the actual rookies, Kyler Murray, these could be guys that we actually talk about now being established ahead of some of those veteran names that we had higher on our list to start. So we hope that everyone enjoyed, obviously, this look in around the league as we talk about ranking our quarterbacks. We'll probably touch base on this as the uh, fingers crossed NFL season gets underway and see how much we maybe want to do some live modifications based on what happens for us. We obviously always tell you to follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast and head over to uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, over on the Anchor platform if you'd like. You can listen, download, rate, review, and subscribe to the one giant podcast as we continue to bring you hopefully some more interesting engaging and in-depth conversations as we move our way through the off season and as andy makowitz would like you to know as always let's go big blue bang